When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of The Discourse, uh, the short-form one-on-one interview show with filmmakers, actors, and other industry folks, which is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network. I am your host, Mike D'Angelo. On this episode, I got to sit down with Academy Award winner, Adrian Brody. He's out promoting his latest film, Clean, which he also co-wrote. He did the score, he produced it, and he stars in it. So it's a passion project for him. If you aren't familiar with Clean, it's Adrian's second collaboration with director Paul Sillette. It follows Adrian's titular character, Clean. Uh, He's in the inner city. He's a garbage man. He's got this buried, violent, and and troubled past that kind of gets resumed when he takes a young girl under his wing and and kind of gets tangled up with this local crime family. It's, It's... If you're a fan of, like, indie crime thrillers like me, uh, it's a pretty damn enjoyable watch. I mean, Adrian, as always, is top-notch, but his character has a bit more depth to offer than maybe some of the more high-profile Liam Neeson joints or revenge movies of the like. Uh, But there's some meat on the bone, and it's it's brutal, it's engaging, it's a fun little crime thriller. Um, And during our chat, we got to discuss why he decided to co-write the film, his love of making music, uh, which led him to scoring the film, and a few of his upcoming projects like HBO's Winning Time uh, that Adam McKay produced, and uh, if he'll show up again on another Adam McKay produced show, Succession, where he uh, popped up this past season uh, and delighted many fans like myself. As always, The Discourse is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast and Yellowstoners, which I'm also a part of. Also, Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more. And it can be heard on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite shows. Uh, And uh, yeah, be sure to like and subscribe. Drop us a comment or rating as we very much appreciate it. Okay, enjoy The Discourse with Adrian freaking Brody. How are you today? Hey, I'm great. How Excellent. I'm I'm doing so good. I'm speaking with Adrian Brody, and I'm a huge fan. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, my pleasure. Really, thank you. Appreciate yeah. your time. Awesome. So clean. Uh, the movie we're getting to talk to you about today. It's it's a big passion project for you. Um, you co-wrote it. You produced it. You scored it. I'm sure you know there are things that you weren't credited for that you did on this movie. I know the, for instance, the infamous flare gun was yours. what made this the story that you wanted to be so involved with and and how did it feel writing a film from the ground up? Yeah. Um, you know, Mike, it's, it's like, I have yearned to tell this for a long time and and, and somewhat in in this iteration, but I, you know, I, I've, I love the genre. I love the space. What I was hoping to do was find a way to, to infuse kind of, 
sensibility that I guess goes beyond that so that there's a, a real character that's complex uh, and feels very flawed and human and that the storyline isn't merely entertaining but references a lot of what's going on in, in the world around us and, and you know injustice and inequality that we're all seeing in this great nation and I haven't quite found it or that that role hasn't come my way and so I had to set out to do that and it's it it was a very very painful process I mean I, you know, <laughs> it, 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 it really was I, it, it's such a relief to be here at the <clears throat> end of the road because you know the movie comes out theatrically you know we have IFC who's a wonderful distribution partner and you know, there's been so much hard work on, on so many people have contributed to make this thing special. But, um, you know, I, I, I truly have poured everything I have in it financially, uh, emotionally, you know, not just a flare gun, but <laughs> my Grand National, <laughs> my which, which still doesn't run because they tried to fix it as we were, uh, you know, we were having some issues with the car and they, they thought they were helping. And I had this custom turbo set up and uh they flashed the computer which totally wiped out the customer oh, no. soon and so now the car doesn't run and you know you name it but it is a miracle to craft something from its inception and to um bring that to fruition and uh in, in any capacity whatever that may be i mean it's just a it's a miracle to, to get to this place and i'm so grateful to share it with people it's a it's a genre like i said i, I love these kind of revenge stories and uh, I feel like it's really well-earned and it has something to say too. Yeah, I totally agree. I actually had a bit of a, an Adrian Brody international film festival this past week because (laughs) (laughs) I got to rewatch some favorites and, you know, filled in a bunch that I missed. And one of those was, was bullet head your first film with Paul Salette. And in that film, your character says he borrows a garbage truck from Mr. Clean. Was that film already percolating between Paul and yourself, uh, or is that just a throwaway no, line that turned no, out? No, I think it was a yeah, I think it was a throwaway. Yeah, that's funny. Because I'm that's saying so you've already interconnected the universes. Now you could play a movie with multiple Adrian Brodies if you yeah, want to. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't. Uh, I feel like Nick Cage has done that. <laughs> exactly. Like to, yeah, it'd be pretty fun. It would be um, fun. Yeah, so the clean he's he's a complex guy. He's been molded and and kind of damaged by this violence and addiction of his past life. What made you kind of approach his violence like an addiction? Have you known people, you know, growing up in Queens like that or is that just something that that kind of um, came out? I think I mean it was a creative choice, but it mm-hmm. was I have a very specific I guess fascination with violence in our culture, unfortunately, as America mm-hmm. and um very conflicted by it. And, um, you know, it's, it's ever present. And most people know me as, as an actor and I've worked a lifetime to, to do my work as an actor, but I've also painted for a lifetime and I've made music for a lifetime. <laughs> I, I just haven't done as much, I guess I haven't exposed it. And I, and I, but I have, I have, I guess it, it is in, it is, uh, an intertwining through line in my work and, mm. and in, the paintings that I paint and in the kind of steeped and grew up in the birth of hip hop culture in New York, growing up in Queens. And there's a, you know, a great deal within that and within, within my industry, even as a, as an actor and, and, and the films that I like and the filmmakers and the writing style that I have, I guess, grown up watching. And so all of that has influenced me and, and 
growing up in Queens and New York through the 70s, through the 90s have, have been particularly, you know, it's a rough place. And yeah. I've seen a lot. And, and I feel like there's just so much hardship for people to endure and overcome. And it is, it is somewhat of an addiction. It is somewhat of, we are fed it. And so that it, it is, uh, in, in Clean's case, it's much more of the violence that he's trying to suppress within him. And that violent lifestyle and the drugs are all that kind of led him to be such a failed human being where, where we find him and to try to come to terms with insurmountable failure. And yeah. as a father, uh, as, a, as a man, what he's done to society, and he's really on that quest for redemption. And he's paying for that and paying for those sins. And, you know, within that, somehow, ironically, he has to turn to the violence within him that he's working so hard to suppress to, yeah. you know, for the betterment of, of society in a way and to, <laughs> and to help this, this poor girl that he's mentoring and felt tragic and beautiful at the same time. Yes. You mentioned music. I've heard of you, you know, doing beats and tracks for characters in the past. This isn't necessarily the first time. So this is the first time you're officially doing it. I know like Restaurant and Love the Hard Way, you kind of made some tracks, at least for those. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned being a big hip hop fan. Is this something you do with a lot of your characters to kind of get in the right headspace? And, and what made you make the official jump? This is really um, unique. And, you know, I just make music all the time. I mean, I, when I have time, I'm making music or I'm painting, right? That's kind of what I find uh, inspiring and therapeutic. What I found was that the music that, especially when I was shooting clean and it was very, you know, bleak winter, I would come home at night and, you know, processing my day and then I'd whip up a track and they all had a similar melancholy, longingness, dark, driving, kind of aggressive through line. And you know, I played some for Paul and um, I think he had mixed feelings at first because he had a specific thought, you know, musically. And I, I respect that. But uh, I felt more and more that the world that initially came from from me and then the whole concept of this space that, that was from a lifetime of influences and, and uh, it, it fed the same thing musically. And so the music really felt like a character in mm -hmm. and of itself. The music is a character. And uh, the ability for me to use music as an additional tool to further enhance the emotional textures and qualities of a character that ultimately stemmed from within me is a remarkable thing to do as a creative endeavor. And so I just went further and further into that. And then, you know, ultimately, you know, we had a uh, full orchestra replaying synth horns, for instance. I had beautiful French horns and this kind of, it, it's just so evocative when you have real musicians playing uh, a piece <laughs> and letting it flow and become something with the beat and the texture and the melodies uh, themes that, you know, initially came from inside of me. And, and, and that is, it's such a wonderful thing. It's such a wonderful creative thing. And um, I'm very, I'm very excited to share that. And, yeah. uh, I think it, it, I think it really helps the film. I feel it, feel it makes the film very unique. <laughs> and a lot, I spent a lot of time, <laughs> I spent a lot of time nurturing all of that, you know, that's, that's, of course. that's 30 years in the making. In addition to the decade or so of longing to make clean the the or tell a story of this nature, I feel like it just you know finally it's coming out, which is really great. And not only that, like 
after a year of, of great releases that you've had, like between this and Chapelweight and French Dispatch and your role on Succession, you've had a pretty damn good 2021. And it looks like 2022 Thanks. is even going to be more jam-packed. Thank you. Yeah. 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 I feel really lucky. Yeah. It's a, it's a good, it's a good moment right now. Yeah. You know, this preceded that, you know, and partially the, the need to create this came from a certain lack of fulfillment that I was finding, you know, with the work and finding roles that were meaningful to me and, and um, having filmmakers and writers that reached out. I, I think work begets work and mm -hmm. you go through different phases in your life and career. And uh, I think we all have very busy lives and it's very easy to not forget that someone might be the right choice, but there are so, there's just so many things coming at us. And I think when you are able to do good work and people are seeing that it somehow leads to other people saying, Hey, that guy would be right for it. And then it perpetuates that. And I think when that isn't there, it's so easy to just focus on whomever is fortunate enough to be getting access to that work. So unless you're really creating it, you know, you have to be lucky enough or I guess play your cards right enough to have consistently uh, be involved with things that are reaching people. One of the things that, that I'm really looking forward to, I'm actually speaking with the showrunner uh, very soon is Winning Time, where you play coach Pat Riley. Yeah. Um, talking with Max, yeah, he's, exactly, he's awesome, yeah, he's awesome, yeah. How was working with Max and and Adam and and getting that yeah super mustache on? <laughs> well, the mustache was probably the least favorite part, but I love those guys. <laughs> um, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, they they signed me up to play Pat Riley, and I you know I love Pat Riley, and I I, I have this indelible image, just like we all do, probably of you know this iconic image of of him at that time, especially with the Lakers. Um, and you know, this starts; it precedes that time, and and uh, he was in a very different space and place, and fashion was very different, and uh, so he looks very different than what I had uh, thought it was uh, going to be asked of me to kind of play this debonair slick back hair uh, you know confident leader of a man you know it's, it's a an evolution to that stage so uh, it's really exciting and the, the writing is so good and, and i'm so grateful to adam because you know he he and his team also invited me to do succession when this came about and that too is just such a fun thing and it's been a very um interesting time but uh you know i, I love the the show john c riley's amazing and all the acting is so great that uh, you know quincy isaiah is magic johnson is just amazing and it's gonna be really fun i think people are gonna get a real kick out of it yeah it looks great and i you know the the whole succession bit is that just like a quick bit part that you shot in you know, like shot in for or i have to imagine you bring on adrian Bode, you're gonna want to use him more yeah you you just say they keep saying that loudly you know? <laughs> let's see you know i mean i think there's no there's no answer to that, but you know, it, I know what was needed at the time, and they asked me if I'd do it, and I love the show and the writing, and uh, you know, so it was really yeah. fun. But yeah, I, I love, you know, yeah, sure. Tell, <laughs> tell, tell them. I'll keep pushing. That, yeah, Josh Aronson <laughs> needs to come back and you know kick some ass. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Finally, I mean, I know a lot of people probably mentioned this, but one of your most fruitful director relationships has obviously been with Wes Anderson. I. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of his as well and his company of actors, which you're a part of. I've heard, you know, being in his films is kind of unlike anything else where you live together, you eat together, you're really able to bond. How rewarding has that relationship been for you? 
And I'd love to, to hear, you know, what you do in Asteroid City and what we can expect there. Well, Wes is such a remarkable human being. I love him. He's just such a, a wonderful person, tremendous artist, tremendous vision and unique creative spirit and tenacity and um, specificity that, that uh, is so indelibly his. To get to be a part of that, that's why, you know, some of the greatest actors of our time will come and show up and do a little bit with him because <laughs> it's just such a remarkable thing to be a part of. And, and you know that he's going to create something that is, you know, a triumph and achievement. And, um, and those characters are all so fun and unique. I mean, I, I'm so grateful to Wes because, you know, first of all, I wasn't, he and Ryan Johnson were the first two filmmakers really to allow me to do comedic work and hire me in that capacity. Yes. Shout out to uh, Brothers Blue. You know, I've done, yeah, right. And, you know, I've done some other much lighter comedic films that are actually really funny. But, you know, when you do a film like The Pianist or you do, I, I do gravitate to darker roles and, and uh, representing, I guess, characters who are, you know, don't have it easy. And uh, mm -hmm. those are those are very interesting, challenging roles to to uh, immerse myself in. And, and I think benefit us all you know if, if if the actor can do them well and create something that is complex and i think it just gives us all more and i and i i i'm grateful for those when i see those performances and they inspire me to do that caliber of work and but i i also love you know great comedic work and it just it's very i think it's incongruous for some people to see that the same individual who has such a, like a morbid fascination with the, these violent things or can play another character with some eloquence he should be malleable enough uh versatile enough to uh to portray somebody a bit more i guess brutal and i appreciate wes for uh <laughs> for sharing that uh, other side you know i finished clean we wrapped just before christmas and before new year's i was uh in uh france shooting french dispatch with wes and playing Cadazio within i'd say a week or so from wrapping you know the finale of clean which is a remarkable thing if you if you put the two if you do yeah, a double that's feature a and say i got crazy. that within a, about a week and a half apart realistically uh it's nuts <laughs> yeah they're uh, very very different characters yeah uh, well, they're, they're giving me the rap, but I do want to ask, since you were mentioning tragic characters, I'm surprised you haven't necessarily been snatched up to play like an anti-hero or a villain in these big superhero blockbusters. Is that something you've ever had conversations about or are interested in? Uh, yeah, I've had conversations. I've, you know, um, <laughs> I've, um, I'm good with anything as long as I relate to it or I can find something, um, I guess, meaningful to make sure. out of it. Yeah. Do with any of that. I mean, I mean, I played Luca Changreta. Exactly. Uh, you know, <laughs> that's a, you know, he's not a superhero, but he sure is a he sure is a supervillain, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's fun. It's really fun. All right. Well, once again, I want to thank you for taking the time. It was a great conversation. Uh, IFC yeah. Films will release clean in theaters and everywhere you rent and buy movies on January twenty eighth. Adrian, thanks so much. I really appreciate. Hey, it. I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. 